Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 66. Going on a Royal Caribbean cruise is always exciting, but this week I get to preview my upcoming cruise aboard Royal Caribbean's brand new Quantum of the Seas. This pre-inaugural two-night event is a glimpse at everything this ship has to offer, and it's my opportunity to get a first-hand look at the ship and report back to all of you all of the experiences on board. Let's preview what my plans are for this cruise and discuss the changes that Quantum of the Seas brings. Here we go. As many of you know, I like to preview my upcoming Royal Caribbean cruises. In fact, I often invite many of you, my friends here on the podcast, to discuss your upcoming plans as well. What I like about it is be able to take what our expectations are and what our thoughts are beforehand and then compare them afterwards to see how things went and kind of compare and contrast expectations and how things worked out. It's, I think it's really rewarding from a cruise planning standpoint. And this week, I'm very excited to preview my upcoming cruise on Quantum of the Seas. Now, this is a two-night event. I am a guest of Royal Caribbean. This is, in fact, a media cruise, essentially. It's a cruise for members of the media, as well as also there's a lot of travel agents on board. So it's basically a showing off to a lot of different people about what this ship has to offer. And the great thing about this cruise is it... You know, it's only two nights. So that's not great because it's very, very short. But it's an opportunity for me to be able to report firsthand as to what are these, what the ship has to offer. Because of course, many of you have lots of questions about Quantum of the Seas. It's a brand new ship. It's a brand new class of ship, and there's a whole lot of changes on this ship. And I know a lot of people have lots of excitement about Quantum of the Seas and how it compares to other ships in the fleet. And for me, I'm looking at this as really a couple of nights to really get in there, see everything for myself, experience a lot of this. I'm really excited because. You know, this is a ship that has it's it's the first ship that since the beginning of my blog, RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, has been encompassed throughout the entire process from rumors to the build being announced to the name to the construction and now the launch. This is the blog had just opened right after Alert of the Seas had launched. So this is really cool. This is kind of coming full circle. But of course, as a fan, I'm really excited to be able to go on Quantum of the Seas and check her out for myself. So what are my plans? Well, I'm going to be getting there mighty early, as you might imagine. Quantum of the Seas departs from the port of Cape Liberty. It's in Bayonne, New Jersey. It's right outside New York City. Uh, it's basically, if you were to drive, if you were to leave from the center of Manhattan, let's say Grand Central Station, you have to take a car. There's really no easy way to get via public transportation. But if you take a car and drive to Bayonne, you're probably looking at about a 20, 30-minute drive, depending on the time of day and other factors and so forth. But it's pretty close. In fact, if you are standing at the end of Manhattan, the tip of Manhattan, kind of looking at the Statue of Liberty, on a good day with clear visibility, you might be able to see a Royal Caribbean ship in port if it was there. You, again, you have to know where to look and... Again, no the right conditions, you could see it. But it is very close. And for me, I live in, I think as many of you know, in Connecticut. So I'll be driving there. No flying required. I'm very happy about that. I'll be packing my stuff up, getting out there bright and early because I know I'm not going to be sleeping well the night before. I'm too excited to go. Oh, love that excitement. Anyway, going to get over there and get on board. Now, this is also the interesting thing was, and something I can already report back to you, is the use of the new cruise planner. That's right. Of course, as many of you probably already know, with Quantum of the Seas, Royal Caribbean has updated its whole online check-in. Previously, when you did an online check-in, you filled out a few forms, a little, a couple of fields, and you printed out a couple of documents that were black and white, nothing really exciting, and you brought it to the pier, and then at that point, they would take it, they would process it, but you still do a lot of stuff. With Quantum of the Seas, Royal Caribbean really wants to expedite this whole thing. They want to make this simple. In fact, Royal Caribbean has promised if you do it the right way, you can get from pier to ship in like 10 minutes. In fact, that's the number they've given. 
So doing the online process was a little more, there's a little more work involved. That's how they get around that, right? You do the work at home instead of doing it at the pier, which makes perfect sense, right? Why waste time on your vacation? So I went on the online check-in, used the new system. It actually worked pretty darn well. The, when you first begin, it looks like the old system, but then it changes to become the new system. Hard to explain without showing you. But of course, this is an audio-only thing, but you don't have to take my word for it. It's going to be, for people that have done online check-in before, it should look familiar, but there are some updates to it. Primarily, the big changes are you can actually upload a photo of yourself for the check-in. This is to have, again, things, the security check that you would otherwise have to do in terms of having to take a photo taken of you. So you have to give your a photo that you take. I essentially took a selfie of myself in my in my bathroom because I needed a white background. So I stood behind it, took a photo of myself, nothing too flattering, but whatever. Uploaded it on the system, and I guess it worked. Didn't respond back. I don't know if it's smart enough. The system is knows like, oh, this photo is no good because it's a photo of me at a party from college. I don't know. You know, it's supposed to be a photo of just yourself smiling, looking straight at the camera. But we'll see about that. I'm hoping it's going to be all right. The other thing you can do is set up your onboard expense account. So you put your credit card down. Basically, you're doing all those things you used to do at the pier. Now you're doing it online. The other cool thing is when you're all done, the new set sale pass is a lot more colorful and a lot more, I think, easier to read. So in here, it comes with what deck you're on, what stateroom, what boarding group, and also it gives you an arrival appointment time. Previously, there were none. You just kind of showed up. You might, broker might tell you otherwise, but you can just show up anytime. Now, I'm not sure if this is still the case or not, because my time, I picked a very early time. I picked the first one I can get, 10.45 a.m. to 11.15 a.m., because, you know, I'm super excited. I want to get there. I'm not sure how that works if if I had, say, a two o'clock one, right? Does that mean I can't show up till two really? Or could I show up at two and no one would really mind all that much? I'm hoping it's the latter. And this is really just a means of, you know, trying to make it simple for people. Maybe if you show up earlier or later than your arrival appointment, perhaps you have to wait longer. I'm not sure. But the good news is at least I got a very early time. So again, you know, if I get there at 10 o'clock and I got to wait till 1045, no big deal because, you know, I kind of figure that anyway. But the idea is I'm hoping I'll be able to get on really, really early and get on board and explore a lot that's going on here. Again, I'm only here for two nights, which in and of itself is a very short amount of time, as you might imagine. And when you figure that with these sort of events, there's a lot of uh, pomp and circumstance in terms of what they're going to be doing. And there's a lot of informational sessions that are going to be going on. This is not a vacation in the sense of I'm not going to be sitting on the pool deck drinking lava doozies, unfortunately. But this is an opportunity to check out the ship. So the more time I can get, the better. And my plans are pretty simple. I'm going to get on board and just start exploring this ship. I really want to get a sense of how the ship flows, where everything is, see these things. I've been seeing photos and reports of for years, literally, and get a chance to see for myself. There's a lot that Quantum of the Seas offers, and there's no doubt I can't do it in two nights. That's, of course, what the good old looking forward to the Royal Caribbean blog group cruise, which is coming up in March of 2015, which there still is room for, by the way, if you're interested in joining us. It's going to be a lot of fun, i got to tell you. Anyway, that's my shameless plug for that, and that I'll post a link in the Royal Caribbean blog podcast show notes for this episode. If you want more information, I highly recommend it. All right. Now that I got that out of the way, <laughs> let's talk about what I've got planned in terms of activity. So primarily what I've focused on, there's not too much that I could book in the cruise planner ahead of time. I think because of the nature of this type of cruise, there's just not a whole lot offered. In terms of dining, I made, of course, we have dynamic dining. And for those who may not have known about it on Quantum of the Seas, we have something called dynamic dining. There's no main dining room. Instead, there are a number of specialty and complimentary dining options that are available and these are it's like going to a restaurant in your hometown right you go to figure you're going to an area of town where all the restaurants are and you basically have the option of choosing which restaurant you want to dine at each restaurant has different 
cuisines and, and menu offerings and, and certainly different levels of formality, right, in terms of dress code. So for me, there were actually only a couple of restaurants were available. In fact, it was just on the cruise planner, only the complimentary restaurants were available. So I made reservations at the Grand, Chic, and also at Silk. Now I'm hoping, I left out the other restaurants, the American Icon and Grill, because one of the events I have later on is going on there, so I figured I'll, I'll be able to sample the food there. Also, I'm hoping that there's going to be an opportunity for the some of the specialty restaurants to be open, so I can maybe, I'm not planning on doing, honestly, maybe most of my reservations that I just talked about later on in the night, like 8 o'clock, but I'm hoping I can make a reservation maybe a little earlier or show up a little earlier to one of the restaurants that are open, if they're open. And sample them. So, yes, I am having two dinners a night. Not that I'm ashamed of that. I think that's a great thing. But, again, I want to be able to see as mu- do as much as I possibly can. Now, in terms of entertainment, the only other thing that's, that's being offered is Star Water and Mamma Mia. Now, I decided to leave Mamma Mia until I see it on the group cruise in March. I figure I can wait for that. But I have made a reservation for Star Water. I'm very excited to check that out because I think that... Starwater is going to be a very cool show. I've seen a lot of photos of it. It looks amazing, really, from a visual standpoint. So I'm very excited to see that and check it out for myself. In general, though, the Cruise Planner software has been really great. I really enjoyed it. I think it's very easy to follow. I think it's all much better than the old system ever was. It, there are, have been some issues in terms of it being outages, and I, this has not just been my cruise. This has been other people who have been pl- trying to plan other Quantum of the Seas cruise. But I, but lately, in fact, and by lately, I mean in the last couple of weeks, it's been pretty rock solid. Granted, I'm not in there like every day, but every time I've gone to it, it's been working, it's been up, and I've been able to book stuff. So from that standpoint, I like it. I think it's very easy. What's great about it also is if you book a reservation, like I didn't, I'm doing two dinners a night, and when I made one reservation for like eight o'clock, if I try to make another reservation for like seven o'clock, it, the system would tell me, uh, you book something at eight, you really want to do that because you're not going to have enough time to really eat at the first place. It will allow you to override it in case you just want to, I don't know, eat in 20 minutes, but it, it's kind of a neat system. I think it's it's pretty smart. It allows you to book shore excursions, which we have none because we're not going to any ports. Dining and beverage, you can book also like the wine and dine packages. The spa, nearly everything on the spa is available to book online, on, even on my cruise. Entertainment, as I mentioned, it books Starwater. And other onboard activities, which I don't see any on my particular cruise. But, of course, entertainment and onboard activities are the kinds of things that usually you won't see on there until you get much closer to your cruise. So if you're someone who's like on the group cruise, I'm using that as a great example here, you probably I wouldn't expect to see anything until we get closer to maybe January. But, you know, the 60-day window, give or take, 45 to 60 days, that's usually when you start seeing these things pop up over there because I think they're still figuring out scheduling. So overall... I give the cruise planner a big thumbs up. I think it's pretty cool. It works out really well. And it's easy to figure out and see everything at a glance in terms of what you have planned. And make sure you're not overbooking yourself in terms of timing. And I think it's also just visually nicer. It looks great. So I'm, I'm pretty happy about it. And um, you know, certainly I have my other cruise coming up in March. And I'll be using the software again. But so far, I like it a lot. In terms of my stateroom... I am in a superior ocean view stateroom with balcony. That's a balcony for those who are wondering. That's going to be on deck six. And it's kind of on the, I guess it's a hump. I'm not sure. This ship is a little different than other Royal Caribbean ships. But it's actually, if you want to look at it, it's, it's stateroom 6244. It looks like from the deck plans that I have a slightly larger balcony than, say, other balconies that that. I could possibly be staying in on the same deck, which is kind of cool. I think that's pretty interesting to be able to get maybe a little bit long, more space. Again, not that I'm spending that much time on this cruise in my balcony, but I'm looking forward to being able to check that out for myself. It's going to be a lot of space for 
for me, but it's going to be, you know, it's always fun to be able to, to go to wake up with the ocean breeze, or at least I usually keep the door closed, but at least have the ocean there to check that out. And the, the stateroom is kind of an interesting choice again, because of the, of where it is on deck six, deck six is a pretty low deck, which is good. If you want to access it, this is true for all Royal Caribbean ships, the being lower gives you access to things that are lower on the deck. So the new Royal Esplanade, uh, a lot of the options on the dining options, a lot of the bars and everything, that's all down there. Higher up on the ship are things like, obviously, the pool deck and and some other activities. But, you know, given that the weather, this is November in New York, it's not going to be shorts by any stretch of the imagination. So the advantage here is I get opportunity to be closer to a lot of the action down in the Royal Esplanade and the bars and lounges. Basically, the indoor activities, I think this is going to be good for. However, I... I, regardless of the weather, I plan on at least once, and I'm hoping I'm able to be doing more than once, being able to walk around the deck of the ship, especially on that deck. I'm not sure why it's on Quantum, maybe deck four. You know, the one, the deck that goes all the way around. I love that. I love spending time there. So even if I have to wear a jacket, I'm happy to go there and enjoy a little time taking in the view. So in terms of onboard activities and things I'm looking to do, man, there's a lot to choose from. You've got the new Ripcord by iFly, Music Hall, Solarium. The show, as I mentioned, North Star, the Bionic Bar, and that's just a couple of things I'm talking about here. So there's a lot to see and do in just a little amount of time. For me, I'm just planning on doing as much as humanly can and take it all in. Of course, you know, with these events, because of the nature of it, there is a little bit of a networking aspect. I want to meet people from our Caribbean, other media members. It, it's a great opportunity, really, for the future of the blog, and it's going to provide some great content for all of you going forward because. What I'm really doing here is going here to research information, get photos, take video, and again, bring that back to the blog in future posts. So there's going to be a lot of great content coming your way in a little bit. But I think if, if I'm going to prioritize things, I'm going to be honest in terms of what I really, really, really want to do. I think definitely the restaurants are a biggie. People always want to know about that, how that plans out. So I'm really looking forward to that. I think I'll be spending a lot of time on the Royal Esplanade. I think that there's a lot going on here. It's a lot like, the, of course, the Royal Promenade, which many of you are probably familiar with. But it's this new area that is less of a large strip of shopping and more of a kind of a neighborhood feel of shopping, dining, and a little bit of entertainment. There's a lot going on here. I think this is really going to be the, the focus, the central location of events and activities going on. There's always spending a lot of time there. But I want to check out the North Star. I want to... 270 is going to be a huge place. And this is something there's so much going on. I feel like every time I'm going to walk away from 270, I'm going to feel like, oh, I'm probably missing out on something. Because Royal Caribbean's promise that this area is going to be changing constantly throughout the day. But I'd love to spend a lot of time there and really take it all in. Now, from a blog standpoint, I'm hoping to, again, be able to do a couple other things. I'm not sure yet and on scheduling. And that's the hard part about this cruise is... I want to be able to share as much of this as I can with you. So like I usually do in past cruises, I'm going to be tweeting. I'm going to be posting on Facebook. I'm going to be posting stuff on the blog itself. I like to do more because, of course, as many of you know, there's a high-speed Internet option on the script, which I'm totally taking advantage of. And I really want to test it. They claim it's going to be just like being at home. So you know what? I want to do live video broadcasts. Now, if it's going to be limited to just pointing my webcam out my balcony, I'm sure all of you wouldn't mind seeing what the balcony looks like at any given point of the day. But I'd love to be able to maybe do some live broadcasts at 270 itself. This is all dependent on two very important factors. Number one, the internet, which is, of course, the most important thing. If there is no internet, nothing else is going to matter. And also number two is timing and schedule. I just don't know what kind of stuff is going on in terms of scheduling for this stuff. So I can't promise you times yet, but I will promise you that if you stick to the Royal Caribbean blog Twitter account and Facebook, we'll be sure to post anything that's going on there so you can get a look at everything. And I'll, of course, cross-post it on royalcaribbeanblog.com. So hopefully... 
if you follow one of those three things, you should have a pretty good indication of what's going on. But again, I want to be able to share this with all of you and get your feedback. And in addition, if you've got questions about the ship while I'm on board, I want to hear about it because I can ask them right there. It's the best time. So I say, Matt, you know, is it dark in music hall? I don't know. Maybe that's a question you've always been wondering. I'll go there and I'll say, you know what? Here's a photo of it. Or, you know, it's, it's not that dark. Or, yeah, it is really dark here. I don't know. I don't even know why, if it's dark at all. I'm just throwing it out there as an option. Regardless, if you've got questions, it's a great opportunity now. You can email me, matt, at royalcaribbeanblog.com or tweet me. That's also post on Facebook. I'll be checking all these things. But, again, I want this to be you know pretty interactive, and, and that way I can answer these questions right there on the spot. And there's just there's a lot going on. I'm very excited about this cruise, and I'm hoping that when I get back, I'll have a lot to tell you about how what this ship is all like and be able to answer a lot more questions about what the ship is. Because, again, it's such a – Quantum of the Seas is – a different, so it's so different from Oasis class. It's not this huge behemoth, you know, one size bigger than the last one, but it's also not a small little ship in itself. It's very much differentiated itself from the rest of the fleet, and I'm very curious to see what it is, and I cannot wait to set on board. So, just a couple of weeks, you'll be able to hear from what I've got to say. Once again, it's time to answer your emails, tweets, Facebook messages, pretty much any way you found a way to get a hold of me, I'm answering it. And we're going to start with an email from Quentin Zemba. Where I say, Matt, I know you like Sabor. Did you see that the Seafood Shack is being replaced by Sabor on Oasis of the Seas? I thought that on almost all podcasts, you mention it. <laughs> Have I mentioned how much I love Sabor on all my podcasts? Well, that wasn't intentional, but it's the truth. I really, really enjoyed it. And you're absolutely right when... They announced that the change is coming to Oasis of the Seas, which I will post a link to on the Royal Caribbean blog show notes. The changes were astounding. I was really surprised by how many changes were coming, not just in dynamic dining, but just across the whole ship. And one of them was, yes, the Seafood Shack is being replaced by Sabor. And I love this idea because I love Sabor. And then when Quantum and Anthem of the Seas deck plans came out and it was pretty much announced that we were not going to be getting Sabor on those ships, I started getting worried that maybe Sabor would be a one-and-done kind of restaurant just relegated to Navigator of the Seas. But obviously now it's coming to Oasis of the Seas, so there's hope that this restaurant will spread to the rest of the fleet. I'm hoping maybe Freedom of the Seas will get it too. So actually, it's funny, Quentin, when you mentioned this email, when I heard about this, the first thing I did was I texted my wife. I said, did you see the plans? And she wrote, we need to book this because we love going on Sabor so much. I can't wait. So if you're going on Oasis and you have a chance to eat at Sabor, you have to have to do. It's a must-do, in my opinion. So oh, is it time to book it? i got to book another cruise, right? <laughs> Tough things to do. But man, I really wish I could go on there. We don't have any plans yet, but I'm hoping to get on Oasis very, very soon so I can enjoy a little more Sabor because it's a whole lot easier to get to Oasis in Fort Lauderdale than Navigator of the Seas is over in Galveston. Next, we have an email from Christopher Percy. Now you are in our wheelhouse with European cruises back in episode 63. We love them. Donal is right on with his comparison between European and Caribbean itineraries. They are focused on different interests. The history of Europe is, of course, amazing, and it's certainly worth the effort to explore. The Caribbean is generally more relaxation and just kicked back, quote unquote. The value is always an issue regardless of itinerary, and Royal Caribbean provides outstanding value wherever they cruise. Donald's comments regarding the experience of different cultures and languages on European cruises actually enriches the experience, and we met lovely fellow cruisers on all of our cruises. Great thoughts there, Christopher. And you know, the great thing about the European cruises, which, by the way, we're going to hear back from Donald next week's episode about his experience from Liberty of the Seas when he did his Mediterranean cruise. You can get his feedback on that experience. And the great thing, again, is that how much history. That, that has got to be a huge draw for these European cruises because there's so much to see and do in Europe. And 
I think you're right that when you're talking about the Caribbean versus Europe, the Caribbean is very, there is history, there's a little culture involved in the Caribbean, but it pales in comparison to Europe. And that's what's great about it. It's, it's got obviously the relaxation. You can go there. You can go to beaches if you want, but you can also explore and really enrich your own cultural experience there. So it's it's win-win really in Europe. And, you know, one of these days I've got to get out there, get over my fear of flying and experience it for myself because, you know, I really, really, really can't wait to do it myself. Speaking of European cruises, we've got an email, another email about it. It's from Sean Wallace, my good friend. And Sean writes, episode 63 was a wonderful look into European cruises and a great interview. We had a wonderful honeymoon cruise on Celebrity back in 2004. It was aboard Millennium from Barcelona to Venice over 12 nights. It was a great way to see Europe with unpacking only one time. Oh, that's a good point, Sean. Very good. One thing that we noticed in the first half of this route was very long days with the long bus rides to the city such as Florence or Rome. The second half was much more relaxing through the Greek Isles and Croatia. It might be something to, for people to consider if it matters to them that the longer days are at the beginning or end of the cruise. Ending in Venice was wonderful and had decided to stay an extra couple of days. Your advice to use a travel agent is right on the money. We'd use a travel agent to book this trip, and she had found us a brand new hotel in Venice that was in an old palace with frescoes on the ceilings. We would never have found us such a wonderful place and water taxis transfers without using a travel agent. She even got us concierge class on board Celebrity for no extra charge. Nice. I hope you can have an interview with someone that's done a fall northeastern cruise as well as a New Zealand and Australia cruise. I would love to hear what those cruise experiences are like. Thanks for a wonderful podcast and website. Love the feedback, by the way. Great info, actually, about Venice and the differences between those ports that require long bus rides. You're right. You know, a lot of those Western Mediterranean, I almost said Caribbean, ports. Like, I know Rome is a great example because when you, you don't actually dock in Rome. You dock in a city that I'm not going to try to butcher its name. starts with a C. And that city, you know, they, they claim that's what Rome is, but it's it's kind of like in the United States docking in Port Canaveral and then going to Orlando, Florida, which is an inland city. They're, it's not on the coast, but you do have access to it. And that's, I think it's similar to that, at least. And, but it is a good point for people who maybe, you know, don't like long bus. Some people to get car sick. People just don't enjoy it. So that's certainly something to consider. And maybe you just want to kind of balance that out. The other thing is about your suggestion about the Northeastern cruises and the Australian cruises. Love those ideas. Of course, if anyone's been on those, you can email me, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. I, last year, I actually decided I wanted to do a Northeastern cruise. We kind of have this hang-up about going somewhere colder than we are for a cruise. <laughs> kind of seems wrong. But those Northeastern cruises, I would love my, my dream, if I can just divulge for a second into what Matt loves. Matt would love to take a cruise that leaves from New York, but probably Bayonne, same port I'm going to in, in a week or so leave there and take the cruise that goes all the way up to Quebec City and then just take a car ride back. Well, of course, if I take another back-to-back cruise and come back, that'd even be better, but let's be realistic. That's probably not on the cards, but I'd love to be able to do that. So that way I could see a lot of these ports like Halifax and Newfoundland and then Quebec. I'd love to get to Quebec. I've never been there. I've heard it's beautiful. It's one of the only, I think it's one of the only, if not the only walled city in North America. I, I think it's just, it's, it's, a, it's on my bucket list of places to visit. And so that would kind of, you know, kill a lot of birds with one stone. So I would love to be able to do that. And the, I think the Northeastern cruise is one that I'd really, really want to check out. So obviously not happening this year, but maybe next year or the year after. I would love people to do that. I think it's going to be a lot. I think it's a lot of fun. And of course, Australia cruises. Who doesn't love a cruise? Who doesn't love going to Australia, right? Beautiful area. And New Zealand is, is absolutely gorgeous. South Pacific. I mean, really, it's got a reputation as being beautiful for a reason. So great info. Thank you, Sean. 
Let's keep things going with an email from Mark and Lindsay from Yorkshire, England. First, thanks for the podcast. We look forward to each show every week. And at the moment, we are Royal Caribbean blog podcast binging in the countdown for our cruise on Quantum of the Seas on December 12th. It's been a great way to get our excitement for the cruise even higher as if it was even possible. So once again, thank you. We have a future podcast suggestion for you. For a very selfish reason, it would be great if you did this before December 12th, New York. We've been on plenty of cruises over the years in the Caribbean and Europe, but this is the first time we visited New York, let alone cruise from here, and we suspect we're not alone. The lure of quantum is sure to pull many to New York over the coming months of who normally cruise elsewhere. Whilst the internet has made going to new destinations much easier for first-timers, nothing beats a personal recommendation or tip. Your podcast on St. Martin and other islands have been helpless, even if we'd been there before. We're staying for three nights after our cruise in New York, we'd love to hear suggestions you or your listeners have on places to go outside of the usual tourist ones, great restaurants and recommendations, especially pizza and other tips. Once again, thanks for the podcast. Keep up the great work. Mark and Lindsay, great suggestion. This is totally in my wheels. I mean, I grew up in the Northeast over here. I've been in New York many, many times. I went to college in New York. I lived in New York for about a year. Uh, last year, I got a lot. Of, I spent a lot of time in this city, so I can definitely speak a lot to this. And we will definitely do an episode about this. I, got, I will give you a couple tips off the bat. First and foremost, Bayonne, which is the port, that the city that Royal Caribbean sails out of, is not in New York. It's in New Jersey. And as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, it's about 20, 30 minutes away by car. If you have any inkling of doing anything in New York City tourist-wise, I would recommend that you stay in New York City The and not in, say, like a hotel or area of Bayonne. Number one, New Jersey is not that much cheaper than New York City. Their New York City hotels are expensive, no question about it. But you're not like, it's not like it's $20 a night or anything in New Jersey. Okay, maybe it is in some hotels, but most people that, you know, you're not saving all that much money. And on top of it, there's not a whole lot, there's nothing to do in New Jersey. I mean, with apologies to New Jersey and, and people who live there, for a tourist, people want to do this stuff in New York City. It's just the nature of the beast. So stay in New York City, stay in Manhattan. Also, don't fall prey to staying in hotels in the other boroughs like Queens or Brooklyn. Again, you're not saving that much money, and the amount of time required to commute back and forth, and the issues with public transportation getting over there, it's just it's a lot of waste of time. So stay in the city, and we'll do in the episode. We'll talk about the different places to stay, different restaurants. There's a lot of great things to do, and boy, <laughs> we could spend years talking about. It. I could start a whole podcast about it. But I'll give you my highlights and things to do and what not to avoid. That's a great idea. I'm writing it down right now because this is going to be an upcoming episode, I promise you, especially after my experience here on Quantum. I'll have a good opportunity to share some insight into getting in and out of the port of Bayonne and getting back to New York and all that good stuff. So thank you for the suggestion, Mark and Lindsay. Next, we have an email from David Webb. Right, hi, Matt. On August 26, 2014, we took a 10-night Alaska cruise tour, number 9B, from Juneau. This trip included three nights in Alaska prior to boarding Radiance of the Seas in Seward on August 29th for seven nights southbound to Vancouver. The reason I'm writing is we received 22 cruise points for this trip. I'm not complaining, just expected to only receive 10. I'm afraid to contact Royal Caribbean for an explanation in fear that they'll realize this is a mistake and take points away. Additional information. Prior to the cruise, we had 39 points in Platinum. After the cruise, we had 61 points Emerald. Stateroom was a Category E2 Deluxe Ocean View with Balcony. All excursions were booked in advance with Royal Caribbean. Cruise was originally booked on board Enchantment of the Seas in May 2013. We did have two guests traveling with us in additional E2 stateroom. One was no crown and anchor status. One was platinum. We did make all arrangements and payments. Did we receive double points for this trip? Did we receive points for an additional guest? Why increments of 11 and not 10? Any ideas? Thanks for your thoughts. Faithful listener of both Royal Caribbean blog and WDW Today. Love them both. 
Thank you, David. Great email and great question. Boy, I was thinking about this for a while. So double points. A couple ways you can easily get double points. I don't think you qualify. Number one, you're not cruising solo. Royal Caribbean changed that recently that people that cruise by themselves and pay the single supplement will receive double crown and anchor points. You already mentioned that's not the case, I don't think. So if you didn't cruise by yourself, then that's out. Another option was, of course, when you're staying in a suite. You're not. You're staying in a Category E2. This is just a balcony stateroom. So the only real thing I can think of, one of two options. One, Royal Caribbean really did screw up. I don't think that's the case. I've There have been many times I thought they've screwed up in the past, and I've somehow gotten free or better things, and the situation is it's not. I just wasn't paying attention or forgot something. I think more than likely what's probably happened is when you booked or you did something, you booked into some sort of a double point promotion. Royal Caribbean does these things from time to time. Often it's onboard credits promotion, but they also offer things like double points under certain circumstances. Maybe it was part of the Alaska cruise, maybe by combining an Alaska cruise tour and the cruise tour for those who aren't aware. A cruise tour is basically, you have a cruise, just like you mentioned, seven nights, and you also had an opportunity to take a land-based part of a Royal Caribbean vacation. In this case, it was three nights in Alaska, just kind of, I guess, hanging out. I've seen the most common one I've seen actually is the one where you embark in Vancouver on your cruise tour and you get to take the Rocky, Canadian Rocky train that goes from, uh, I believe it's Vancouver, all the way up to Alaska. It's a very, very cool thing. It's, a, it's beautiful. It's obviously, it's a sleeper train, so it's a couple nights. But again, that's an option that's out there. So you may have qualified for something like that. Honestly, if it bothers you, I would call and ask. It is a little weird, though, that you got not just double, because it was 10 nights total. You got actually 11. Now, of course, depending on how you do your math, that, again, you mentioned three nights and seven nights. That's 10 nights. No question about it. It seems like you got 11 nights and then double the 22, or there's really some funky math going on. But I think that's probably what happened. Honestly, call Royal Caribbean. I mean, I really don't think they're going to... I would be more surprised they took it away. I think the person would just be like, well... I mean, if the system really did screw up, I don't think that's the case. I think you probably just booked into something that you were unaware of, some promotion that was out there that uh, did that. I'm not sure, honestly. I, I can't give you a definitive answer. But if I had to bet money, I would probably say that you booked into some sort of promotion. There's no other explanation for it uh, other than a complete screw up by the system, which, again, I really don't think is happening. I think we would see that far more often if that was the case. And I just I, I have a hard time believing that's that. But Hopefully that helps a little bit, David. And let me know what you find if you do get the courage to call Royal Caribbean or you just, you know, say, oh, well, <laughs> you know, finders keepers. <laughs> well, that's going to wrap things up here for this episode. Of course, I want to hear from you as well, just like from David and everyone else we talked to. Your thoughts, comments, questions, whatever's in your mind at Royal Caribbean Cruising, I want to hear about it, of course. So you can email me, Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. You can tweet me at the RCL blog on Twitter, or you can go to Facebook, facebook.com slash Royal Caribbean blog. And of course, we also have a voicemail if you want to call that. Love those voicemails. Call 408 6 Royal 6. That's 408 676 9256. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.